How's the dishwasher going? Hi, uh, welcome to the Brewery FM podcast hosted by Scott Oakland and Usher. Just two techies separated by Biron Scott's laptop. Talking loud, how Scott built a beer on his laptop. And technology. I'm a voice that sounds like an organ. And this is episode 26. Recorded on the 6th of August 2015. Yeah, it's gonna beep at us the whole time. It is, so basically every two minutes you're just gonna hear a beep. Which might be good for some people. Either that or they're going to hear me chewing on M&M's. That's nothing normal. Mm. Out of the normal. Stuff happens. I like how they changed the icons in Office 365 for the work IDs and the uh, Microsoft IDs. Again? Yeah. Now it looks like a little like lanyard on a badge. You got to talk into the microphone. You know I don't talk to the microphone. I'm scared of the microphone. I'm put it in front of you. Man, do we have to do that again? I'm serious. You have to talk into the microphone. It'll be like a SP TechCon where you made me use the microphone. I've been scarred ever since. There you go. Scars are good for you. I guess. They build character. Hmm. Kind of like these M&Ms are building my sugar level. Well. <laughs> <laughs> number one. Maybe we should have somebody count the number of beeps that are going to happen in the background that I can't edit out. There's always the next episode. We'll get this right at some point. Some point. <laughs> I mean, this is only episode 26. So. We're learning. Slowly but surely. Ah, <laughs> uh, man. So, we're recording, right? We are. Oh, well. Hello, Jason Hemmelstein. Good to see you. Um, yeah, so not... You know, he misses you a bunch. He does? Absolutely. I, I was on his webinar today with him and Todd Clint. I never hear from him. It's kind of sad. Yeah, I, no, I, they, they, they've been doing a big webinar on identity. Uh, right up your alley. Yeah. You should join in. Yes, that is too. <laughs> but you're giving them clues. If you hold up your fingers, they're not going to see it. Yeah. Uh, and your phone? Come on. We'll mute that. Uh, so, a um, couple cool things been going on this week. Uh, I've been playing with some of the resource management stuff on Azure, which has been a delight, as you can imagine. Mm, that whole ARM versus ASM thing is always fun. Well, it's neat, though, because if you start looking through the documentation, it actually delineates. It's like, do you want to use ASM or do you want to use ARM? Yep. I'm and glad they've actually got those, but I'm curious if they're going to be like MSDN TechNet, where if you go to the article and you tell it 2010, you have to go on through and tell it, oh, why is the 2013 page showing up? Uh, oh, look, it only displays 2007 documentation. Oh, the <laughs> URL with a version 14 to actually get it to work. So they're growing further and further apart, right? Because they operate in completely different modes. So hold on. Every time that happens, you hold up your fingers. And I don't want to give people in the audience a clue as to how many you're actually holding up. 
But I want to see what happens when we get up to like 27 of them. I'll use binary. Yeah, no, this will be fine. Um, so, you know, it's interesting. So I talked with uh, Andrew Connell last week from the, the MS Cloud Show, and we had a chat about application or Azure AD uh, proxies and application gateways. I feel cheated on. Yes. Well, you, you should. Uh, but one of the things I really wanted to talk about with him that I, that I forgot about, him and CJ on one episode have been talking about, you know, why does the new Azure portal do some things and why does the old Azure portal do some other things? So Why do they? Well, uh, I was hoping maybe we could talk about this. Okay. You know why they do different things. Because they use completely different uh, background, backends. Right. So, so, so we've been having this ASM versus ARM discussion, right? So and ASM all the things. being the service management APIs. Yep. So, so the ASM that, is... Uh, Michael Washam helped put together? Uh, I believe he helped put together some of the original PowerShell around that. I don't know mm. if he actually built out the REST APIs that drive the fabric. Um, so ASM being Azure Service Management and ARM being Azure Resource Management or Azure Resource Manager. Um, so the old portal or what, what we call you know the, the management portal today being driven out of service management. Yep. And the new portal or uh, Ibiza being driven out of uh, that, that new ARM model and, and all the things that go into that. So, uh, you know, it's very interesting when you sit down and you start to map some of these things back and forth and you go, uh, uh, you know, we have two portals. So why can't I see VMs that I create in one portal show up in another, in another portal? And why do... Uh, you know, little things like mm, maybe that cloud service only shows up in the legacy portal and not in the new one. Uh, and like you said, that's an API difference. It's it's quite literally they're driving against different uh, different management sets. It is. Well, thank you. Well, I mean, so it, it, it is comical, though, because if you think about it, you could have a developer going in and creating resources that don't show up in the old portal. Because everything they've done is created in the new portal. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is it is a hazard, though, because you've got folks that might be going in and creating resources that just don't show up in the different API or the different portals because they're exposed to different APIs in the old management portal, which, as nice it is and as wonderful it is, isn't getting anything new. And while they might be going through and adding... Oh, it is code, getting new things, though. It is getting new things here and there. But... By and far, the majority of the development is being done to the new portal. So mm. everything's in a blade. It, yeah, <laughs> everything is in a blade. It's a journey. Yes, yes. It's it, it's an experience. It is. And a workload. It's quite an experience when you go through and you're clicking different <laughs> things and you say, "I want to deploy this VM," and wait, all of a sudden it shows a little lock next to the location that it's trying to load in. What? Why is it doing that? Ah. What's going on? Why is it pre-selecting things? So you're right. It is quite a journey to figure out which order, if you're using the portal and not using PowerShell, mind you, that you need to put things in so that it actually lets you put things in the right location. Uh, yeah. So so that can be a bit of a challenge. And then once you've gone ahead and created all the different things within the portal, so say you went and created a VM and a cloud service under the old ASM portal, and then you came back and said, I just want to create a VM in the new portal. And then you go back later with PowerShell and you do something like a Git Azure VM. And it actually only shows you 
one set. So we, we again, we have this uh, split on the front end, and that also manifests on the back end with things like the PowerShell modules and the REST APIs calling different things. Uh, and you know, we've got to go through that whole context switch with uh, switch Azure mode and, and all the other little bits and pieces and fun that come along with that. So. You know, how do you build out a holistic set of, you know, I want to run a report on all the VMs that are up right now. And so let me fire off some PowerShell to do that. And you actually have to go into uh, effectively two different modules and go ahead and run through those bits and pieces. <laughs> um, you're right. I mean, that is kind of one of the issues that people run into, I guess. I'm curious. We talked about it, I think last week or two weeks ago about uh, cloud in and cloud cruiser i'm curious if uh, those products actually go through and talk to the two different api sides and if they actually look at the subscription the subscription ids the virtual machine ids and whatnot to ensure that it doesn't get double counted um when going through and you know doing that uh, that assessment of all the different things that folks have so Yep, just keep talking. I spilled beer on my Mac. I pulled a Casey list. Oh, man. That's you know, they're, uh, they're going to tell you it's $975 to... Uh, that's a Hophead Red that is working its way down in my alt option and arrow keys at the moment. Oh, well, that's not good. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Just tally that other beep and we'll be all right. Tallied. Um, but yeah, so, you know, the ASM stuff is definitely legacy, but it's going to be used for a while. Um I, it just, uh, it makes me, I, I wish they would just, you know, do what they do with other things and just say, we're cutting over, deal with it. You're going to have to translate all your stuff. And again, the other problem, of course, is some of the old PaaS stuff is, was ASM based. So, so not so, as much so, of it, but mm, some of the old PaaS stuff was ASM based. So it's not like they could just write, you know, a cute little translator uh, product to move things from ASM to ARM. Right. Well, there's a couple different things, right? There's the fact that some services exist in both lands and some services are scheduled to never live within ARM land. True. Uh, So there are certain like subcomponents of like the storage APIs that are ASM and ARM agnostic. So they're always going to live on the outside. So what do you do with those things when you have ARM sitting here and then you've got the stuff that just straddles in the middle and and, and sits across it all? It's, it's definitely an interesting problem and something that, uh, I, I don't know if you run into it, but I run into it more and more with conversations around uh, how are we going to really do kind of uh, those holistic reporting or holistic builds of environments, things like that, and be consistent uh, as we go from place to place and, and thing to thing. No one likes to be consistent, Scott. Yeah. But I mean, if you wanted to be succinct and all like that in Azure, that's going to be difficult, especially since the tools that are available uh, for ARM JSON templates really aren't quite fully baked for Visual Studio yet. I mean, they're there, but they're not awesome yeah not yet but so uh but with the arm explorer through the web interface but that only gives us arm not asm so now you're back to hey we have stuff in two different places and yeah 
and, and, and that whole story. So, uh, Somehow. you know what I'm going to do, Dan? What's that? I'm going to add it to the show notes. Show notes? Where can folks find the show notes? HTTP colon forward slash forward slash, not backslashes, uh, pub.brewery.fm forward slash brewery 026. So again, that's brewery. Damn it. Uh, fm forward slash brewery 026. Don't worry, your audio engineer is totally going to slice all this up later. That, that's good to know because I'd hate for us to get that explicit rating for me inadvertently saying words that are going to get edited out. Uh, you mean like job? Exactly. Mm, that's the one. Speaking of which, you know, it, it amazes me that people haven't caught on that the most vulgar character of Star Wars was R2-D2. Yeah, all, all those bips and bleeps and bloops weren't for nothing, you know. I know. They had to, They had so much they had to take out. Yeah. But uh, back to ASM, um, it, I guess, you know, it just uh, it surprises me that we're going to see this around for a little bit longer. Uh, you're you're going to see it around for a lot longer, right? There is not a clear path forward, so... We can look at the work that some other teams are doing, so like the cross-platform CLI or the uh, the PowerShell groups, and uh, they have paths forward to try and figure out what to do within their specific tooling, but there's not really any guidance from Microsoft as far as what's going to happen when those flips are made. So there, there's no clear guidance about... Uh, you know, if you're a customer who has a mix of V1 and V2 VMs, how are you going to bring all those V1 VMs over to V2 and make all that work and do the things that they need to do? Or if that V1 VM exists in a resource group because it just ended up in a default one because it had to go someplace when they had this new model come through. Uh, how are you actually going to move that in a successful way and, and get all of the uh, dependencies that are associated with it over to its new home? You're not. Exactly. So you're just going to have to transition it to AWS or Rackspace. Well, I'm glad we established that. Cool. Uh, so other stuff in the th- show notes. Uh, Windows 10. Is that a thing? Well, it's not in the show notes, but I figured to bring it up anyways because it's under Microsoft. I'm going to swear again. There's going to be a little door sound. I love it. Um, So Windows 10 service release 1 came out yesterday. SR1. It was only uh, 300 meg. Yep. It was a little smaller and a little quicker than the SR71 because that took three miles to turn around. This turned around in like a mile. True. And it did not melt the skin. Only if you're on Fios. Well, yeah, that's true. Uh, So... Yeah, um, SR1 came out. I haven't seen too many enhancements from it, but that's probably for the best because, again, it goes back to that whole mantra of we're trying to squash bugs. Uh, It did fix the store on one of my installations. On the DV? No, on a VM. (laughs) The DV is host. Okay. I'm going to have to find a way to reinstall that thing from scratch, but it turns out that when all you have is a micro USB cable coming in, it's really hard to figure out how you're actually going to get the bits and pieces and everything to do what they need. Yeah, it's been interesting to watch that little thing in the uh, Windows 10 Insider Group, watching it go through the iterations of patches and continuum mode and whatnot. I guess it wasn't even continuum. It was just tablet mode versus uh, desktop. So, 
Yep. Did you have a point to all that? Uh, no, just kind of the the fact that uh, you've been you know struggling through all these different patches and even with uh, I guess the, when RTM came out that didn't really help it much. Uh, nothing has really helped it, but then again, it is an eight inch tablet with a whopping gig of RAM and an Atom processor and 32 gigs of hard drive space. And it's, it's really running on like hopes and dreams. I I would be curious to see how the new, uh, Dell Venue 8 7,000 series does in comparison to the 3000 series. I I don't even know what you're... So they came out with a newer version. Like, the year later. So it's got, I think, still a gig of RAM, but a better Atom processor. So, maybe? Maybe. Here's my number. One can always hope. Call me? Yeah. Um, But, you know, beyond that, uh, the Windows 10 side of things hasn't changed a whole lot. I know a lot of people on Twitter seem to be up in arms about uh, Service Release 1 not going through the insiders first, but... Sometimes you just got to skip the insiders. Yep. Fixes got to be fixed. True. Um, so something I heard last night, was, or actually this morning on my uh, drive into Tyson's Corner, because I was going to the Apple store. Um, I wasn't going to the Apple store, but we'll let people believe I work in the Apple store for fun. Um, so while I was uh, driving to work this morning, I uh, heard a news story about Southwest Airlines and how the crew during takeoff decided to play the music from uh, Top Gun. Ah, like and, the video game. Well, kind of. But they left in, they were playing scenes from Top Gun apparently during takeoff, uh, which included Danger Zone. And um, the machine gun fire? No machine gun fire. But uh, they got up to the point right before where Goose tells Maverick to do a couple barrel rolls. And they said that over the intercom to the pilot, hey, it's time for you to take some barrel rolls. And then the barrel uh, pilot said, ha, just kidding. But I thought that was mildly cute. Um, but Did at least somebody sing flying in the danger zone? I doubt it. Yeah. I know, kind of a letdown. Everybody loves Kenny Loggins. Um, but speaking of flying things, uh, a couple weeks ago on Geekology, there was a blog article about the R2-D2 quadrocopter. Um, so somebody took one of those little quadrocopter drones and they dressed it up to look like R2-D2. And it's pretty wild. Like, the the physics of it, um, it almost looks like a Lucasfilm thing. Uh, the video that is linked to on the show notes, um, it shows like a full-size R2-D2 just kind of lift off and fly up into the sky. And the first time I saw it, I thought to myself, you've got to be kidding me. That's got to be some Lucasfilm thing that got video recorded. Um, But in reality, it's actually just a little quadrocopter dressed up with probably something akin to... I think it was uh, your three-year-old you dressed up as R2-D2. Yeah. Oh, man. That was a long time ago. Um, But uh, back in the day... um, Yeah, so it looks like a a full-size R2-D2 that flies around. I, I think that would be an awesome quadrocopter to have. Um, but I think most folks probably look at that and they think to themselves, eh, it's a little, it's probably a little too geeky for me. Mm. I'm hearing giveaway for SharePoint Saturday DC in October. I'll have to see if we can, uh, get the funds for that. I bet you can make that happen. That would be pretty cool. You heard it here first. If you attend, you could potentially not win a quadrocopter. Good call. It's 
Sway. What's that? I, I don't know. But apparently there's a Windows 10 app. Well, there's a Windows 10 app for everything. So Sway is the... So I think uh, a couple years ago, Sean McDonough came out to SPSDC, the conference, and all of his presentations were using Prezi. Um, if you're not familiar, oh, yeah, that thing that makes you motion sick. Yeah, there were people in the back that were throwing up that we had to like get bags for and Dramamine. Um, yeah, that wasn't that wasn't good. But uh, so Prezi is kind of that online presentation that has animations that go along with it. Um, Microsoft, I guess, what six months ago introduced this capability. Uh, basically, that was similar to that. It was. Uh, you know, Sway was the animated PowerPoint through the web, maybe, best way to explain it. So you could go create a presentation, but it wasn't really a presentation. It was just, like, uh, information that you threw up on a, I don't know, the best way to describe it is, like, you're filling out a, a card like you would, like a poster board that you're holding up that has information, and then you add transitions between those. Um, and animations, but instead of being a presentation, it's a sway, and it's a little bit different. Um, they they had something back at Ignite where you could build a sway, um, and it would be like your trip report, building it out in a sway to uh, you know show all the different things you did, participated in, uh, notes you took, and have it all just kind of bundled up in one thing. So it's it's very similar to Prezi, uh, but it's not quite Prezi. Sort of. So, so Prezi is targeted at presentations, and Sway is uh, all about the creation and sharing of interactive reports, presentations, personal stories, and more. Would you like to know what the and more is? I would. Well, apparently, you can go to start from start to finish in minutes. So, you know, you can create a crappy presentation in minutes if you want to. Uh, you can tell your story with interactive content, so you can throw some animated GIFs in there if you'd like to. Uh, there's some search stuff that probably doesn't work. Uh, there's some design stuff that isn't there today, but it will be in the future. And did you know that you can share your sway with people just through a link? That's That blows my mind. Uh, you can send people a link to your sway, and you can share it. That's, that's pretty can, wild. Can you imagine a world where you can create content and you can generate a link and send it to somebody? <laughs> How many of you have that? Don't, 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 don't even tell me. I can't even remember what I was saying. So, uh, you know, that's very hard for me to believe that you could create a link that points to content. Could it, could it even be a short link? Uh, possibly, if you run it through Bitly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> there, there, there is that. Yeah, yeah. Y y you know, it's crazy. If you go to sway.com, you can see real sways by real people, not fake people. Real people. Wait, what if I want to protect my sway though? Uh, yeah. No, you're no. Mm -hmm. Sort of. Sure. Maybe. I guess that's part of the announcement, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and laugh at me. <laughs> so, yeah, so Sway, I guess uh, they enabled sharing through docs.com. I don't, I don't quite know how... <laughs> I don't quite know how uh, sharing was done in the past because I never really 
explored it. I remember uh, SharePoint Saturday DC Chevy Chase this year uh, during Fabian Williams' session on Xamarin. Um, I thought to myself, you know what would be really cool is to build out a sway and just use that sway for the closeout at the end of the day. And I started to, and then I realized I didn't have high enough resolution images. Yeah, you tried to do that once too, huh? Yeah, and so my images... I'm going to build a sway and then give up. So my images kind of looked pixelated, and I got about halfway through it, and I said, I need to go check on other sessions, so I had to close my laptop and go back and actually run around and make certain everything was okay. But, uh, yeah, so I kind of stopped doing the sway thing at that point and just ended up using the PowerPoint slides that I had already produced. Um, in that, though... You know, I, I don't remember seeing anything about a sharing link. Um, Srini Susla Asli, ah, blah, blah, blah. Srini Susli, dang it. Srini Sisla, excuse me. Srini, you're a great guy. Uh, came out and did a presentation back in March for Rest and Spug. Um, basically on the topic of Office 365 video and Sway and how to build them. And he, man, he knows how to do them a heck of a lot better than I do. But, uh... Even then, it was kind of it was janky as to how you'd share them out. So I think it's great that you can now share them out through docs.com. Uh, but I'm curious what the security policy is around them and where they get stored. And I, mm. I think that's kind of the question that a lot of people still have is where do the Sway documents get stored? Are they getting st Are they getting st Just an evidence. Yeah, you know, we're going to have to delete this oh, whole thing. 29. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it uh, it's just kind of sad that the Sways don't have a little bit more information out there as to how they you know, actually function. I would almost think this would be a great instance where the Office 365 team could go out into office365sd.com, the service description, and add an entire section just on Sway and how it works. From a permissions, from a what SKUs it's available in, uh, you know, how it protects data, things like that. Because right now, I get it, you know, the Office 365 team is trying to build experiences, which is great. I mean, they've got these different capabilities and they're basically getting sewing thread and, you know, weaving them together. But it, for those of us that end up having to ask, answer the question, Hey, is this secure or not? Hey, how do we actually check for authorization? Um, it's hard to do. Uh, well, you know, Sway is one of those interesting things where it's kind of like the OneDrive versus OneDrive for business, where we have the consumer product of Sway.com, and then we have the Sway that's built into Office 365. And um, it's not very easy to give people the warm fuzzies about where things live at the end of the day. Especially when we can take the um, a, a presentation that's generated within Sway.com or a presentation that's generated within an Office 365 tenancy and push them both to docs.com. Because, hey, why not just have all our internal stuff bleed to the outside world? Why not? Yeah, well, yeah, why not? You summed it up very well. Um, but there is, an app, there is a Windows 10 app out there now for Sway. Uh, so if you are so inclined and you've upgraded to Windows 10, 
And you've patched SR1. Um, enjoy the Sway app. Uh, my understanding is that it's basically a web view that's just rendered through a Windows 10 app. As most Windows 10 apps are. Yeah. Um, other kind of interesting, cool stuff out there. Uh, I don't know if you check this out, but Outlook on the web. So it's no longer the Outlook web app, which became the Outlook app. It's now Outlook on the web. Um, the Office 365 team, they modified the, uh, the UI a little bit. Um, now it actually looks a little bit more like Outlook consumer, even though it's Outlook on the web. No, it's Outlook on the web. Um, well, yeah, but it's, it's backend is Exchange, whereas we don't really know what Outlook.com... Yeah, we do. We actually know it's Hotmail, which is hmm, something. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's different. And I like the fact that they're taking some of the good things from Outlook.com and weaving them into Outlook.com because that's actually how it shows up and gets pushed to the end user, but um, just under a different uh, managed path. Uh, I think... It's good that they're actually taking things from the consumer version and weaving them into the enterprise edition. Uh, like they added sweep. So in the past, sweeping like a bunch of emails was just something that was available through Outlook.com for consumers. Like sweep all your clutter under the yeah. hook? Now you can sweep all your mail from a certain you know junk user uh, using the sweep functionality that's in Outlook on the web. Can you? But yeah, that's something they added in. I've never seen a sweep. Sweep got added into the UI. Go in, log into your work email, and you'll see it. I only clutter. Well, I clutter too, and it sort of works <laughs> most days, except when machine learning turns off. Um, but yeah, it's they're taking little things here and there. And what's surprising to me, though, is a couple weeks ago, I could have sworn I saw something where they said they were taking the OA Outlook on the web interface and applying it to Outlook.com for like regular users. Yeah, that was a while ago. I, uh, I haven't seen so. that applied to my email yet. Slowly but surely. Well, that's because you don't use Outlook.com for your not, email. My name's not Shirley, but I, I do use Outlook.com. No, you don't. I do. Don't lie to me. Fine. Oh, you lied to me. Uh, so, Outlook on the web. Enhancements are coming. Yay. Uh, kind of neat. Um, the other two things that popped up on uh, Office blogs. You're really not going to win this battle. <laughs> no, I'm not. That's I think just because it wants to keep running. But it unfortunately does not understand how to reset because if you press the reset button, nothing happens. It's like an Apple IIe. This thing is horrible. Yeah, I just need to move. Um, yeah, but, I need to buy a new house. Good, good. Instead of replacing the dishwasher, just... Um, but yeah, so the Apple IIe was a great piece of hardware. It probably could run Outlook on the web too. Um, something else they had on Office Blogs recently was the waterfall chart, um, a deep dive to a more streamlined chart. So I, this is one of those that I, I didn't really know what to say because so many groups out there uh, talk about you know business processes and how waterfall is so bad. And how agile is like the golden child that it just, I chuckled because it says, you know, we introduced six new uh, chart types today, um, which include the waterfall chart. And I'm like, great. Who uses this? Um, I could never, like, there's still good uses for waterfall out there when you're dealing with like big complex systems. So you're, you're thinking of waterfall projects 
versus waterfall charts. Yeah, I don't know the difference. Tell me the difference, Scott. <laughs> so wait, there aren't agile charts. No. Oh. <laughs> Those are called pivot tables. Okay, there we go. So waterfall charts are, uh, think of, well, actually a great example would be what they just had in the blog post, right? So a financial statement. Well, yeah. Where we have very linear things kind of falling down, where I have a set amount and I have a number and I want to subtract some amount for that or so I like want to add something profit to and it. loss statements. Yeah, P&L would be a great thing. Okay. Um, so it is a linear bit of thinking, but a, a, a waterfall project very much has milestones and, uh, you know, dependencies and all the other things versus Agile where we can just say, yeah, we're going to build you something and we hope it works. I like the box and whisker. Oh, is that one of the new ones? Yeah. Box and whisker bringing statistics to distribution. Like the histogram chart, the box and whisker, <coughs> whisker chart, whisker, yeah. Shows the distribution of information. For deeper analysis, the chart goes further by providing key insights about the distribution in one view, including range, quant quartiles, means, and outliers. Yeah, you lost me at outliers. Quartiles, man. Never understood them. Uh, but there's a couple different uh, chart types. So they've got the waterfall. Uh, they've got the AC turning on. Uh, they've got the histogram to show distribution across time. Uh, the Pareto... Pareto um, to show you know largest impact, um, box and whisker to show statistical distributions. Um, they also have a tree map, so that was uh, that was kind of surprising to me that they would include a tree map uh, chart type to blend into Excel. But I guess uh, you know some folks potentially, dude. Excel gets used for everything. Well, I mean it's better than Word. Well, true, and it's better than PowerPoint, but. Uh, a lot of people you end up using, you know, uh, Excel for tasks that perhaps it's not meant for. Uh, but this is neat that the office team is going out and building different chart types that can analyze the data that you're putting into it um, and then display it. And probably the last one that they added, added in that it just it really is really heartwarming to me is it's the sunburst type. Ooh. Are you familiar with the sunburst type? Inform me. Uh, you remember kind of the things that R2-D2 would stick his little appendage into to, like, unlock doors and Empire Strikes Back? Yeah. Yeah, they kind of look like that. The little symbols that were on the walls. Yeah. Yeah. It, it you also, lost me at R2-D2. Well, it also kind of looks like, uh, uh... Graph databases and how they kind of connect one another. Yeah, no, still lost. How about so, we talk about something people can actually use? So, hey, now. Uh, just, you know, be mindful that waterfall charts do not have their alter ego nemesis of agile charts. Mm. Yes. There yes. we go. That's my tip for the day. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, I'm glad that you learned something while we were sitting here and talking. Thanks. It's very helpful. Um, so about an hour ago... As of when we're recording, which we're not going to tell anybody when that is, but some period of time ago. Or where we're recording. Well, we could tell them that, but mm. then we'd have to kill them. Uh, <laughs> the Azure PowerShell uh, 0.9.6 release dropped. You see this one? Uh, I did see that one, yeah. 
Yep. So if you head on out to GitHub, it is hit WPI and the Windows standalone installer, and it has some fun new things inside of it. Fun? Fun, yes. So uh, this brings the introduction of the Azure Batch commandlets. Uh, so Azure Batch has been running in preview mode, and this brings the commandlets up to the GA revision. So now everything that's in that release is running against the GA API, which is always nice to see. Uh, and that did bring along some changes mm, as far as well, yeah, there were some breaking changes, right? They, they were a little bit agile in this process, and uh, there were some things that existed in the pre-release version of Azure Batch that didn't make it into the GA, so they had to go back and retool a couple things. So uh, folks might want to take a look at that and uh, see what's going on there. Uh, they've also added a couple of Azure Site Recovery commandlets, so... Uh, you can do things like adding your recovery vaults and servers to those vaults or uh, protection containers, protection entities, a bunch of other stuff uh, along the way there. Uh, and within Azure Backup, you can now actually uh, register your backup containers or rather re-register those containers uh, and get them all set up and ready to go just with PowerShell. So one less hop out to... Uh, that lovely portal that we all love so much. So the, the couple things that I noticed were primarily around spelling. Uh, whoever was writing up this GitHub page needs to run a spell checker because resource is not spelled Rezo Roos. Yeah, you're looking at it way too hard. And under site recovery, they talk about adding Valute. Again, I think you're being a little picky. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, it, it, I'm excited to see some of the changes around uh, Azure Compute, uh, as well as the Azure SQL bit. Um, I think it's kind of funny where they they have a line item in there. It says, change the structure of the security namespace to align to the rest of the namespaces in the Azure SQL namespace. Good. I'm glad that they're actually, you know, standardizing something. Uh, they're working on it. Yeah, I mean, it, like, well, so... There, there's only so much you can do in a given day. No, I realize. I mean, there's only 25 hours most days. Um, it's it's handy that they're actually going through and doing this, though, because you remember, like, the SharePoint uh, database names in 2013 when they originally released? I don't think they've changed. Um, but you had all sorts of different naming conventions where some groups would, like, include the... It would be like, oh, we put underscores in between everything, and then others used, like... Uh, capitalized letters for the first letter of every word and then others uh, included like an underscore DB at the end of the name of their database and others were just like ah it's a database people know it's a database um, for like default names and whatnot so yeah I mean it's, it's good that they're standardizing hopefully the SharePoint team has standardized that in 2016 yeah one can always hope uh, dude I'm, I'm really hoping that made it into the uh, user voice for 2016 yeah mm -hmm. Is there a user voice for that? Yeah. Folks should get on that. They should. So the only other thing notable uh, in the Microsoft world, from my opinion, today would be uh, the fact that we need to go, get by, uh, go buy wearables. wearables. Oh, they did have that whole outlook on your wrist thing. Yeah, although they deleted that tweet, which is kind of strange. It's the only functionality I would never want on my wrist. Deleting tweets? 
Outlook. Oh. Or, oh no! Oh no! That was Yammer. Was that? Oh, good point. Yeah. Yep. That 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 came to your wrist as well. Well, yeah. I mean, but but still, um, if you look at uh, the ability to actually, there's so many apps out there that are adding an Apple Watch view of information, um, and some of them they're just they seem so useless in what they are. I think uh, having the ability to, you know, see my email, that could be potentially handy. Um, it seems like the uh, the items that they added are what? Uh, the ability to reply, schedule, and archive right from your wrist. I sure. Would, I would be worried that I'd accidentally, like, archive everything. Like, I, you know how the, uh, the phone, not the phones, the... Um, the Apple Watch has Force Touch. Yep. The the phones are going to have those in the fall. Maybe. Nothing. The Maybe. phones are going to have those in There's the fall. There's only been pictures from China posted up on 9to5Mac that show the Force Touch integration. but And the APIs you know, only talk about Force Touch integration too. So who knows? It might be there. Maybe. That's 40. Um, <laughs> Don't give people the answer. I I was actually throwing them off with the wrong number. Um, but yeah, so the fact that they've got the ability to do replies and scheduling and archiving, I think that's that's pretty nifty. Um, my fingers are a little too big to do quick replies personally, so I don't think I'd ever be able to actually reply by trying to tap on the phone device. Oh, you have an Apple Watch? Not yet. <laughs> do you tell? Not yet. All right. I'm waiting until version two. Well, you know, wait to get you in trouble. Yeah, thanks. The people that we can get in trouble with. Thanks, man. Um, but yeah, uh, apparently Yammer is on the roadmap. Woohoo! Or at least that's what the article says. Yammer for Apple Watch coming soon to unleash handoff. Um, which could it could also be somewhat interesting. I don't know. Maybe someday, somewhere, somehow. <laughs> um, but you know, the integration doesn't stop there. They're also doing this for Android Wear. So it's not just Apple Watch. Um, they are realizing that... Are there any Microsoft Watches out there? No. Really? No. no. Well, well, the band. Well, the band. But, you know, the band doesn't quite give you a rich interface to display stuff on. Sure it does. That's it. It has an API, man. Yeah, but the charging not module in the back breaks and you just have to go take them to the store to get it replaced. Yeah, you, you, you're missing the point. It has an API. Okay. No. I, you know, that, uh, I guess. I guess. Yeah, you'd be all right. Um, but yeah, so, you know, it, it, it's neat to see that Microsoft actually realizes wearables are more than just Apple Watches. Um, they are going out and building this stuff for Android Wear because there are diehard Android folks. But that being said, I don't have a lot of friends that use Android. Um, I don't know how many of them have actually gone through and adopted Microsoft-based apps, except for the Microsoft Authenticator that's available for Android. Nobody um, uses that. Actually, a couple of friends do because they like it better than the Google Authenticator. And it serves the same function. You should show them Authy. Yeah, well, I don't want to break my friend's hearts. 
Yeah. Break hearts. All right. All day long. You heard it here first. Break hearts all day long. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone should use Authy. Mm. Done. <laughs>